I try not to think about that race stuff too much, but it does seep into my mind every now and again. I think it's because of where I was raised. I was raised in the South. They teach things differently as a young black kid in the South. Like, I'm from a place called Greensboro, North Carolina. And in yeah. Right. Yeah, and in Greensboro, we had a planetarium, and I love space. I'm infatuated with it. I love space the way Oprah loves bread. <laughs> so I would get geeked. I would get geeked to go to the planetarium. I'd be like, yo, this is dope. We're going to the planetarium. I can't wait. We get to learn about space. And they say, no, Jordan, you're going to learn about slavery. I was like, what? How? Right. And they project stars onto the screen, and they say the slaves will use the stars as a roadmap of sorts when they were trying to navigate their way to the north. They'd sing songs. They'd say, when the first quail calls to carry you to freedom, follow the drinking gourd. I remember that song, just in case of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> so if Trump pressed that button, I'm be out here. The North Star, DeMarcus, follow me. I know a place in Harlem where you get some dragon eggs, my friend. <laughs> my name is Jordan Fisher. Thank you so much. Live from the Durag Dungeon. I'm your host, Dad Boy Coop, back with another regular ass episode of the Carolina Kid Podcast Rewired. This episode is brought to you by Fresh Cut Neck Bumps and R. Kelly Tears. Subscribe to the Rest Intelligence Anywhere podcast or download it. Following the Rod and Karen Doctrine, leave a nice five star review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and I'll read it on the show. Also, leave me a voice message and donate on anchor.fm slash Dad Boy Coop. That's anchor.fm slash D A T B O Y C O O T. What's up, niggas? So, um, it's a lot of tomfoolery um on this episode. So, buckle up, niggas. It's a lot of shit. Okay, like I, I might have to breeze past some shit at this point. Is it's too much damn shit. Okay, I had to open shit up, fill it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you heard the intro. So, if you're familiar with Quasimodo Mad Lib, you know, um. He used a lot of Melvin Van Peebles samples when it came to his spoken word albums. You know, a lot of the wild ass shit. It was almost like some, uh, I guess you could say, Rudy Ray Moore type of shit sometimes. 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 It's not like rhyming and shit, but it's it was some wild shit. So, um, yeah, like you heard that a lot um, in Quasimodo's music. A big inspiration. Melvin Van Peebles was a big inspiration. For Mad Lib and Quasimodo. So, why am I saying this? Is because Melvin Van Peebles died. Me to find out that this nigga died at 89. Hey man, he lived a long, great, gracious life. But that was Mad Lib's friend, you know, and it was crazy. Like, he was a giant of black cinema. Like, he is a legend. <laughs> Influential director Melvin Van Peebles died on Tuesday night at home in Manhattan. The 89-year-old director was best known for his independent films such as Watermelon Man in 1970 and Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song in 1971. He was also father of Mario Van Peebles, with whom he wrote and directed the movie Panther in 1995. The elder Van Peebles told NPR that he considered that film a history lesson for kids too young to remember the Panthers' community activism. But more than a history lesson, because history can tell stories a lot of the times. This is a history lesson that also encourages young people to be active. Melvin Van Peebles inspired a generation of young filmmakers to be active. 
His early movies were shot on tiny budgets and shot through with provocative, politically charged humor. He played the main role in Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, but gave himself barely any lines. He was playing with stereotypes, he told NPR in 2008. Standing over their heads. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, this dude, man, when I'm telling you, like, he was born in Chicago in 1932. He helped pave the way for a renegade genre known as black exploitation, the black exploitation genre itself, with movies that were bitingly funny, sexually swaggering, and occasionally violent that put black protagonists front and center. His heroes were hustlers and revolutionaries. Sweetback was considered so outrageous, it was originally rated X. It was also a huge financial success because niggas love that shit. So, <laughs> love that shit. So the director was multi-talented, of course. He was a playwright, painter, and composer who seriously studied astronomy and options trading as alternative careers. His death came shortly before the 50th anniversary of Sweet Sweetback's badass song and a celebration planned by the New York Film Festival. The Criterion Collection, THE Criterion Collection, planned a box set to be released next week called Melvin Van Peebles Essential Films, which, if you know anything about Criterion Collection, like, that's an honor. Like, you, basically, you are considered art house worthy. Your movies are considered to be part of the pantheon of American, Americana, honestly. You know, and, and, and honestly, international acclaim. So, hey, that nigga was wild as shit, but it paid off. The man is influential, you know, um, and honestly, like, I learned about him through Mad Lib, right? Listening to the music, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. People's like black flotation movie director too, and his son acts too, and his son does stuff too. Like it's crazy, it's crazy. So the fact that I heard that like he gone, bro, like it's like man, he lived a long life though. You know, he lived a long, prosperous, very well uh, done life. You know. So uh, also, I remember the daggone girlfriends episode where uh joan was sleeping with him and um <laughs> she was about she was getting her back blown out every five seconds so <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry I, this is terrible but that nigga always was the man that that, that nigga was always cool as shit so um <laughs> moving on to more depressing ass news anthony johnson of friday actor and comedian has died courtesy of cnn yeah yeah, Anthony Johnson, Friday actor, comedian, has died. Anthony A.J. Johnson, an actor and comedian best known for his performances as Ezel in Friday. Let's not get that twisted with A.J. Johnson. This is Anthony Johnson from Friday, Ezel, has died. His representative, Lania Bell, told CNN Monday. He was only 55 years old. The world of comedy has truly been shaken again. RBH talent family is heartbroken about the loss of the iconic legend of stage and screen Mr. Anthony Johnson, Bell said in the statement. He has left us with amazing memories of his laughter, dynamic acting skills, but most of all his enormous personality and heart of gold. No cause of death has been publicly shared. Beyond Friday though, um, he was in House Party, Menace to Society, Lethal Weapon 3, uh, Players Club, Babs, and his television credits were Martin, Malcolm, and Eddie. So, hey, hey. I don't give a fuck what Ice Cube said. I was going to look at what Ice Cube said, but I was like, fuck that nigga. So, <laughs> I don't hear that nigga got to say. Um, so, here's the depressing shit, um, once again. Um, so, I got to break it to y'all. Um, NCCU dealt with a campus shooting during a football game last uh, weekend. While I was out of town, my sister was attending a football game where they had the entire place on lockdown. Yeah, so you know, that's that's wonderful. So, um, damn, why HBCUs, man? We, damn. Ugh. Okay, so police have increased patrols after a deadly shooting on NC Central's campus Saturday night. 
Authorities said two men were shot in the surface parking lot next to the Latham parking deck on East Lawson Street. Two men were taken to the hospital where they were both pronounced dead. They were not NCCU students, according to the police. The shooting happened amid NC Central's home game against Winston-Salem State. Damn. My girlfriend, her alma mater is NCCU. And my sister is attending Winston-Salem State. So that just, it just be like, nigga, the fuck, nigga, you know. Damn. At the time of the shooting, the stadium and surrounding area were placed on lockdown. Police said there was no ongoing threat to campus. Still, students say that they were saddened by the shooting and want justice. Just for it to be on campus during the football game, said sophomore Demira Cockley. That is the crazy part about it. Everybody's supposed to have fun, and y'all niggas is like, niggas getting shot up, bro. Niggas getting shot up during the football game, bro. Like, the fuck? I saw all these cop cars just coming around. Uh, Oh, by the way, this literally is like a quote from my sister's friend who goes to Central. I saw all of these cop cars just coming in this direction toward the Latham parking deck. I was just like, what's going on? Freshman Jasmine Harper said, that is my sister's friend who goes to Central. That is crazy this This shit oh my god so she was at the football game at the time of the shooting police remained on scene hours after the game ended an investigation is underway and crime stoppers boom um wow why 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 during the full everybody like yay we cheering on the game Pop, pop, pop. Like, nigga, you don't want this shit. Like, don't nobody want this shit, bro. Like, <sighs> me, me and me and Nikki be in Durham, but we know not to be out and about in Durham after dark because that's just not what we do. But, <laughs> golly, it just be like, nigga. Like, we literally would be in Durham and we would be driving through Central and be like, yay, we have a good old Saturday how about somebody get stabbed at the soul food spot, bro? Like, we be trying. We really do be trying. But damn, niggas be wildin', bro. Niggas be wild. This is just sad. It's, it's sad as hell. Uh, oh, more fuckery. Back at you with more fuckery, courtesy of WRAL. Dozens of UNC health workers quit over vaccine mandate. Hmm. Y'all health workers, y'all quitting. Interesting carry on. Raleigh, North Carolina. 60 UNC health employees have resigned rather than get vaccinated against coronavirus, health system officials said Tuesday. System officials had given some 30,000 workers until Tuesday to get their shots or face termination. But on Monday, they pushed that deadline back to November 2nd. More than a thousand unvaccinated employees are now on probation and have six weeks to get their shots. We never anticipated that we would be standing outside of UNC Medical Center the evening of September 21st asking people to turn in their ID badges because I'm telling you here in North Carolina, we may be all like health capital and shit, but these motherfuckers are on some fuck shit. <laughs> They're like, I'm not getting a Fauci ouchie. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay, keep playing, said Dr. Matt Ewand, Chief Clinical Officer for UNC Health. There would be always a pe- there would always be a period where there would be consequences, but where folks would have a chance to correct their actions and become compliant and stay with us. But some UNC health workers told WRL News that they're concerned about their safety um, and the availability of vaccines, which I'm like. Or, or, or the safety of the available vaccines, right? Their quick rollout and potential long-term side effects. Nigga, I got two Fauci ouchies, and I'm good, okay? Y'all keep playing games with these people, and y'all gonna really have a bad case of COVID, because at least I got some protection. You know, the, the protection dwindles because that's vaccines, but nigga, at least I can be up for the booster and be like, uh, because you y'all know the booster coming, uh, booster. You won't get booster? I'm gonna get booster. I'm gonna get booster. You get booster? We, we gonna get booster. So, I quit a job that I literally love because I didn't want to put something in my body, said Brittany Minahan. <laughs> Guess the race. <laughs> Eli Lilly. So, 
la Lily White. So whose last nursing shift was at Wayne UNC Healthcare in Goldsboro was Sunday. Minahan received a religious exemption from vaccination because her white rats didn't do it enough. <laughs> I don't I don't have any sense. Ah, oh, but yeah, yeah. Um, she told them that, you know, they need hey, she was told that she needed to undergo testing. And she was like, why are we not testing the people who were vaccinated? She asked. You're discriminating against me for not taking the vaccine. I'm like, but they got the vaccine. It's less likely for them to actually die. You are carrying the, di the disease with no vaccination, which is way worse. So you're like a super spreader if you don't get it and you're just like, nah, did I, what is a mask? You know, it's like, <laughs> like just cause you wear a mask at work, cause you work at a hospital is not enough. Like if you out here in these streets, like I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse, I know better, I know better, I'm a nurse. And you still out here not wearing a mask and you still didn't get a vaccine. What the fuck are you doing <laughs> at this point? Lori Sherbico? A nurse at North Carolina Heart and Vascular, a UNC health cardiology practice in Smithfield, also obtained a religious exemption from getting her vaccine and is staying on the job despite her opposition to, or staying on the job, I'm sorry, despite her op opposition to the mandate. Okay, it absolutely is our freedom. I, I know these motherfuckers sound just like, it absolutely is our freedom. We should have freedom to cheese. <laughs> Sherbico said, I cried and prayed. I even asked God, if I am wrong, show me that I am wrong. Well, this is God showing you you wrong. <laughs> Why are you looking for? Get the damn vaccine. Get the, just, just get the damn vaccine. <laughs> oh my God. So you and argued that the vaccines are safe and effective, noting that almost every COVID-19 patient on a ventilator at UNC Medical Center in Chapel Hill wasn't vaccinated. There was a real support among our workforce for this mandate, he said. It makes for a safer working environment, and that's what we are supposed to bring to our patients and each other. Y'all don't have common ass sense, but here we go. UNC Health's hospitals are already stretched thin in terms of staffing during the pandemic, UN said. But officials are planning for the possibility of more vaccines after the November 2nd deadline. It was never our intention to lose a single person, he said. We have contingency plans to mobilize folks and get them into clinical settings so we can continue to care for the sickest people in North Carolina. But meanwhile, the Duke University Health System also set a Tuesday deadline for its employees to be vaccinated, and officials there are sticking to that day. They are not changing shit. <laughs> They're like, you better get that Fauci ouchie. If you're not, you ouchie. Okay, keep playing games with them. Okay, Duke is private. Okay, they don't have to deal with state mandates and shit as much. Okay, because, you know, well, actually, I'll, I'll say this. When you're dealing with Duke University, Yes, they are a private school, but their medical system is a whole different entity. Y'all can't play games with that anyway. But, hey, Duke gonna do what the fuck they won't do, okay? <laughs> they gonna do what the fuck they won't do. So, you might as well go and get the Fauci algae. And whatever they say goes. You wanna be jobless? Y'all people is choosing being jobless over getting the damn vaccine. That That is... Nigga, it take two seconds. It's free. It, you ain't gonna die. Who died from having a vaccine? I'll wait. <laughs> we'll be here forever. So, um, <clears throat> just being real with y'all. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? What, like, you know they all white. Yeah, that's why I, uh, you, you're just going against my rights. <laughs> Please, Lord, I, I just want to pray. You know, show me the way that, let me know that I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. You're wrong as hell, bitch. So, anyway, let's move on to the next topic. Wake County Elementary School teacher dies from COVID-19 complications. Oh, damn. Dark. I'm trying. This shit's supposed to be happy. Nigga, it gets happy. It becomes a happy podcast. I, 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 I promise you. Like, Wake County teacher dies from COVID complications. She regretted not getting the vaccine. Oh, you don't say. 
was I just saying? What is wrong with y'all? So, um, a Wake County Elementary School teacher who contracted COVID-19 has died. In a letter sent Thursday to families at Scotts Ridge Elementary School in Apex, parents were told that Meredith Mongone had died that afternoon from complications due to COVID. Mongone, 43, was a fourth grade teacher at the school. She will be greatly missed by the staff students and Scott Ridge Elementary community and our hearts go out to her friends and family said the letter from the school. <clears throat> Mongon was not vaccinated according to Christy Verecki. Verecki? White people names. Christy Verecki, a friend and fellow fourth grade <laughs> teacher at the school. Unvaccinated people are more than 15 times more likely to die from COVID-19. This is not a joke. <clears throat> Y'all be playing. Y'all be like, I'm invincible. I'm what? Okay, keep going. Keep doing that shit. I'm not going to be out here dying on the ventilator because I have two of them things in me. And I'm about to go get a third. Okay, boosters, nigga. Don't forget the boosters. Boosters. Hmm? You, 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 I boost. You boost. Nigga, we supercharged. So, <laughs> um, hey. <sighs> oh my gosh. So Varecki said Mongon contracted COVID in early August while on a family trip back before the school year started at Scotts Ridge. Bet you a million dollars she won't wear a mask. Bet you a whole milli on the silly dilly hilly. I'm, t- I'm nigga. Y'all think that people be like, I'm still gonna wear a mask because I don't have vaccine. Y'all don't know white people logic. Anyway, so Mongon was too ill to come back to school. So Varecki set up her friend's classroom. The school provided people to cover her class while hoping the beloved teacher would return soon. She was full of life, full of energy, Varecki said in an interview Friday. This is terrible. She never sat down. She loved teaching, loved seeing kids learn and grow. Heaven gained another. You know what? Nope, not saying that. I'm done. All right, so y'all be, y'all be wildin'. Not reading the rest of that. <laughs> and on that note, nigga, let's take a break. We here. Mm. We be bike. Oh, nigga, you thought it wasn't going to be no promotion. Oh, here it goes. My girlfriend has a podcast called Venus in September, and y'all should check it out. Straight from your second favorite Virgo and first in my heart. Poof, niggas. <laughs> So, um, singer Kelly Price is allegedly missing. Legal rep says she's safe. She was listed as missing after a welfare check was conducted at her home on Saturday, September 18th. Update, September 24th, 9.43 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Kelly Price's legal representative said to TMZ that the singer is safe and continuing to recover at an undisclosed location. The National Crime Information Center currently lists singer Kelly Price as missing. The vocalist was diagnosed with COVID-19 in July 
and was admitted to a Georgia hospital and then was moved to the ICU as symptoms heightened. She was then discharged. TMZ was the first to report on this story. Her child apparently received a call about the discharge, but were concerned because she was not believed to be in full health. <sighs> I found out today I have COVID price wrote on Instagram on July 29th. I am COVID positive. I'm following doctor's orders. I'm quarantined, feeling really drained, splitting headache. I'm grateful and expecting to have a full recovery. So this was also a COVID. I'm sorry y'all to be giving y'all all this COVID news, but niggas be wilding out here. But this one's really mysterious. I'm I'm actually actually very very concerned for Kelly Price. Um, we're told the authorities found no evidence of foul play and spoke with uh, Kelly's boyfriend at the residence because she had a welfare check by the police on September 18th. So. <clears throat> She's now listed as missing with the National Crime Information Center, TMZ exclusively reported. This is very odd. Why are the legal team saying one thing and, you know, it's still saying that, hey, she's missing? Price is a powerhouse vocalist whose 1998 debut album, Soul of a Woman, went platinum. She's a beloved figure in the popular music and worked with Ron Isley, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, Faith Evans, and many more. What the fuck, bro? Like, Kelly Price, what's going on here? Like, I don't even know. Like, nigga, I, I hope she alright, man. I hope she's safe. This, this is some wild ass shit, man. You just be like, this shit doesn't add up. You know, you like foul play, none. Okay, but where's Kelly Price? You know. We will have updates on that because this is some wild shit. So Karen Civil apparently stole $60,000 from Joyner Lucas. And you're like, who are these two people? So Karen Civil, I used to be like, what the fuck does she do? I don't ever know what the fuck Karen Civil does. Karen Civil be out here hanging with celebrities and shit. Apparently she provides a service that deals with marketing which I was like, oh, that's what she does? You know, that's how I be feeling about Karen Civil and shit. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, rapper Jonah Lucas um, is of shady fame, you know, shady 3.0 fame, I guess you could say. Um, he had like controversial ass songs I really give a fuck about, you know, just how I feel about it. I don't really, don't really care. But <laughs> Jonah Lucas has shed more light on his longstanding beef with Karen Civil. The Massachusetts rapper took to Twitter on Saturday to reiterate his theft claims against Civil, a media marketing strategist who worked with everyone from Nipsey Hussle and the diplomats to Wale and Lil Wayne. Joyner says he hired Civil to handle his branding and marketing around 2014, when he was relatively unknown. Lucas claims to have paid $60,000 for her consulting services, but never received anything in return. Really? So honestly, I can still ask the same question. What does Karen Civil really do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what does she really do? He was like, I was desperate for help. And you knew that after you was paid, you went ghost and didn't expect me to pop here i am he wrote in a tweet with an attached 2015 memo you know good for you Jordan lucas so <laughs> after you got the money paid up front you stopped answering my calls and every time i hit you you answered the phone with an attitude like i was messing up your day i sent you hella messages pleading with you to do your job because my back was against the wall you took advantage of me lucas said civil's alleged theft put a serious, serious financial strain on him and his family. He claims the incident left him on his last leg and occurred around the time he welcomed his first child. Man, that's the worst time to be broke. So <laughs> SMH, I was broke and down on my last leg, bro, he tweeted. That 60K was literally my last effort to help me get on. And you stole that from me when my son was born. The media protects you, but wrong is wrong. At this time, I had like 5K followers. I think that nigga got like about a million. But <clears throat> yeah, Lucas said, and I'm giving him too much credit. 
about a million. I don't, I don't know. Lucas said he was initially hesitant to call out Civil because he didn't want to put his career at risk. However, he decided to speak out in 2016 after Cameron publicly criticized Civil over comments she made about him and Jay Z. Well, shit, I need to dip into that shit. Because, damn. So, at this time, I was afraid to speak up for myself because I didn't want to get blackballed, he explained. I had no idea how this industry shit worked, and I didn't want to drag my name through the mud. So, out of fear, I stayed quiet. Until Mr. Cameron spoke up a few years ago on Twitter, then I did. Lucas claims after he accused Sybil of stealing money from him, she demanded he delete the accusatory tweets and issue an apology. Nigga. <laughs> she was like, I know I did that shit, but shut the fuck up, nigga. You better apologize. Damn. Like, she has a lot of power because she's that person that you like, you still don't know what she does, but everybody knows her. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why what the fuck do you do so <laughs> apparently she does marketing i guess whatever the shit the shit thing the brand she is shared screenshots of a purported text exchange between civil and his team <clears throat> the images show a pre-written apology composed by karen's people well she sure know how to write some damn apologies that's for damn show after i spoke up you had your peoples hit me up directly and you tried to threaten me and then tried to make me write this fake ass apology and make myself look crazy to the public eye, he continued. Civil denied the allegations in the following statement to Baller Alert. It's easy for him to make broad statements when you aren't familiar with the back end of business, especially marketing, she wrote. Subcontractors were paid, including Ravenel Agency, PR, and local reps, Mix Slash Radio. All parties contracted out on his behalf to ex execute were paid from the overall budget allotted when he expressed his unhappiness about not getting vip access to a new york nba 2k event because he arrived two and a half hours prior to the time he was given him not being able to reach me the following day during a scheduled personal vacation caused him oh, i thought this was gonna be caused but it's a tweet caused him to be irate Civil statement continued. His management called me to rectify the situation <clears throat> after Joyner made his first tweet claims in which I responded, we can happily move forward after a public apology was made since he used the same platform to lie about funds being taken from him. I recorded the call just for future circumstances like this. Unfortunately, six years later, he's now utilizing a separate disagreement moment to amplify and create a social momentum around himself. He and I both separate conversations with Charlemagne. Knew it. Knew it. Knew it. Oh, nigga. Oh, nigga. Because you had to throw Charlemagne the God in there. You know, you had to throw a nigga that was like, hey, I got people that I can hide behind. Man, I'm telling you, something always rubbed me the wrong way with Karen Civil. I used to watch her interviews and shit. And I was like, really know I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about this girl something just really ain't right you know it, it just seemed like oh she about that industry shit she do them little tricks and shit that, that, that just fuck everybody over like it just seems like that and everybody like yep I lost money too I lost money too yep I seen her on hot 97 and shit like they interviewing her like, yeah, you you doing this, you you doing you doing big shit, and I'm like, I never understood what she was actually doing. Like, I'm just like, hmm, okay, all right. So, Charlemagne this morning, where he passed on his phone number so we can have a discussion directly, but instead he took to social. Nothing was stolen or taken from Joyner Lucas. Unfortunately, certain artists under are under the impression that they have 24/7 access to you. That's not feasible or possible. All work is done on behalf, on his behalf, were fulfilled. Subcontractor invoices were made and sent to MGMT or management Sean McDonald of Dead Silence CEO, which my team also kept records for. Lucas fired back and questioned what exactly Civil and her team executed 
for him. Oh. Oh, she. Oh, he got receipts. <laughs> oh, he got receipts. Wait a minute. It's on Twitter. Let me. Let me. Marketing Branding Management. Prepared for Dead Silence LLC slash Sean McDonald. Prepared by Karen Seppel. April 29, 2015. Oh, my gosh. This shit is. This shit is crazy. Okay. So. It's just a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of bullshit. I'm just going to be a thousand percent real with you. This is a lot of bullshit. This is some. This is some bullshit. Yeah, a lot of people like that tend to send like a contract, right? It's literally it's a contract, right? But contracts like that have like really vague and ambiguous wording to where you're like, what am I signing right now? You know, they make it real just open-ended. So even if you sign the dotted line, you're like, but it told me this, but they really meant something else. You know, um, yeah, she was trying to completely skull fuck your ass. Like it just she was about to completely skull fuck your ass. Hey man, you're you're successful now. That's cool or whatever, but Karen Civil, nothing ever rubbed me the right way with her. It just always felt like snake. It's just snake. Something something wrong with that person. You know, you'd be like, there's that person that's part of that industry rule number 4080. Record company people are shady. Karen Civil. <laughs> Karen Civil. It's an uncivilized motherfucker. That's what this is. Not uncivilized. It's uncivilized, nigga. Because <laughs> you lying like a motherfucker through that damn shit. All right, so, um, more bullshit. You want more? Y'all niggas want more? Oh, oh, nigga, here go the one. Here's the pinnacle. Here's the pinnacle of the night. Nicki Minaj slash Kenneth Petty accuser opens up on the real. Yep. Courtesy of USA Today. Kenneth Petty, Nicki Minaj accuser, speaks publicly on the real. I'm tired of being afraid. The woman at the center of a lawsuit against Nicki Minaj and her husband, Kenneth Petty, is speaking out about the couple's alleged alleged intimidation tactics. What? Nigga, I was just talking about Nicki last week. And not my girlfriend, Nicki. No, Nicki Minaj. Okay. And, um, man, I'm telling you, the fuckery from her just keeps spewing. <sighs> hey, it's all in the writing here. Let's, let's, Jennifer Huff said during an appearance with her lawyer, Tyrone A. Blackburn, on The Real, that she wanted to speak about the public or speak straight to the public because she's tired of being afraid. I feel like the actions that were taken in regards to this whole situation put me in a different type of fear at my age. It was wrong, Huff told daytime talk show hosts. The only way not to be afraid is to continue to speak up. According to the New York State Sex Offender Registry, Petty was convicted of attempted first-degree rape in April 1995 for the 1994 assault. Huff recalled the time she says Petty raped her before school that year. Oh my God. Huff encountered Petty at the bus stop and he put an object in her back and forced her to come into a nearby house. I knew what he wanted, Huff said. He pushed me down on the bed. We wrestled for my clothes. Huff said after Petty raped her, he stood up in the lot or in the nearby mirror and said, I'm the man. I'm the man. That's fucking terrifying. What the hell? That is the worst thing in the world. Oh my God. When Petty's conviction was publicized on social media years later, Minaj claimed Huff and Petty were in a relationship that Petty was 15 at the time. Co-host Andrian Bailon asked Huff how Minaj's claims made her feel. It was like reliving it again because it was a lie. It wasn't true. We were both 16. We were never in a relationship. I just felt woman to woman that was wrong of Minaj. USA Today has reached out to reps for Minaj and Petty's lawyer for comment. Minaj and Petty's relationship. Nicki Minaj goes Instagram official with registered sex offender Kenneth Petty. You know how the rest goes. Huff filed an, a, a lawsuit against Minaj and Petty in the Eastern District of New York in August. 
In the complaint obtained by USA Today, the plaintiff brought several claims against the Super Bass rapper. They chose that song. Super Bass rapper and Petty included witness intimidation, emotional distress, harassment, assault, and battery. Nigga, what has he not done? Okay. Petty accepted a plea deal on August 8th for failing to register as a sex offender in the state of California. Nikki, what are you doing? What, what, are, what are you doing? Huff's attorney has requested that Judge Michael W. Fitzgerald rejected the plea, but you're going to stand behind this nigga. Okay, Nikki, you're going to keep standing behind this nigga. All right. Blackburn wrote in the filing that Minaj, 38, and Petty, 43, intimidated Huff directly and indirectly, pressuring her to not speak about the 1994 rape charges against Petty after the case became public knowledge on social media. Whew. Huff told The Real, an associate of Minaj and Petty came to her home and put $20,000 in her lap in exchange for silence. You know, paying off. That's gonna work. And Huff declined the offer and said that she later received a message from the associate that she should have taken the money because they are going to put that money on my head. Wow. It, it gets wilder. Minaj and Petty were served court summons for Huff's harassment lawsuit in September. According to the court documents, Petty received both and he, or both he and Minaj's summons last week in person at their home in Calabasas, California. Huff is asking for a trial by jury for her claims and plans to seek damages as well as statutory damages and attorney fees. You still trying to die by this nigga? You still trying to you still trying to be like with this nigga and still hold hold down the fort with this nigga being a whole ass rapist? And you 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 sitting here intimidating hungers? You like put that money on your head? I'm like, I right, keep doing this shit, y'all y'all. You do clownery, the clownery comes back to bite. Said Monique, "Hey man, I'm just saying, I'm just I'm just saying." Oh, Monique, oh, Monique also said, you are a dummy, bitch. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's... Mm, Monique's words, not mine. Uh, okay, so let's let's get on a lighter note, because good God, isn't it, isn't it blustery in here? So, uh, Gunna opens a grocery store inside of his old school, courtesy of Essence Magazine. Again, um, rapper Gunna partners with Gooder, to open a free grocery store in Atlanta Middle School. So, hip-hop artists Gunna and Gooder have partnered to set up a free grocery store inside of Ronald McNair's Middle School. Or Ronald McNair Middle School in Atlanta, right? Um, it is part of the Gunna Drip Closet and Gooder Grocery Store to provide faux students and families in need. Wait, 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 wait. That rider fucked up. Provide for students and families in need. That literally is FOE sitting right there in my face. Provide for students and families in need. <laughs> like, let me stop. Essence, y'all doing y'all thing. But that was a typo. The store opened on Saturday, September 16th. Gooder is a sustainable food waste management company. Jasmine Crow is the founder and CEO. So, Gunner, real name Sergio Kitchens. Nigga, that's a funny ass. Name. Sergio Kitchens. We serving your kitchens, nigga. <laughs> I could, I, I could help myself. I could, I could, I could, I could help myself. But um, Sergio Kitchens is alumni <laughs> of the school. He's best known for his 2020 single "Drip Too Hard" with Lil Wayne. Oh, Lil Wayne, Lil Baby, Lil Baby. There's <laughs> a string of songs uh, appearing on Billboard's Top 100. The rapper Gunna is from this area and was actually. A McNair alum. He wanted to give back to his community and chose McNair, said John Matt Jr., <clears throat> the school's principal at CW69 Atlanta. Uh, we're just excited about this opportunity to be able to have this additional resource for our communities. The store will serve 900 students. A Facebook post by Gooder provides more details about what all the stores carries. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. Gooder, you know. 
but he, he he was like providing clothes for kids and stuff like that. He's giving vegan friendly items and stuff, and stable food, snacks, toiletries, and stuff like that. Like you know, Gunner's do, Gunner's doing some dope ass shit. I I I, I fucks with this. Um, that's what's up. You know, it, it's cool to see uh, people of their community coming back and giving back. Um, so final article. Talk about black business. You know what it is. So let's talk about the story of World Envision. World Envision is a clothing brand that I actually came upon. Um, actually, I believe on Instagram. Yes, I was on Instagram. I was just like, oh, shit, this is an ad. It's called World Envision. So they have a really in-depth um, article of their own on their website. And it really tells you the story of how World Envision started. Is a black-owned business made in New Orleans. When two young boys saw the impoverished state of their families, they took a step to change their present circumstance. This step created a movement behind their very own clothing brand. It took a long time to get here, Nicholas Clark said, looking around the small office in the Ruston Enterprise Center. There's just so much. Along the bare office walls, drawers filled with red, white, and black hoodies, shirts, hats, lay tucked away. The clothing stood as a testament to the last seven years. The unique logo of Clark and Marlon Watts' original brand, World Envision, and spelled W-R-L-D-I-N-V-S-N, proudly incorporated on each article. Pronounced as World Envision, World Envision's initial inspiration and hope of production was to help support Clark and Watts' families. The business venture was continued today as a part of movement to inspire others in similar circumstances. When we started, we were young, Watts said. I was self-taught. We would talk to other people to help gear this clothing brand all out. Clark and Watts set up racks of the same hoodies and shirts on hangers for display. The, uh, <clears throat> the, the makeshift pop-up shop in the student center on Louisiana Tech's campus caught the attention of students owing in and out of the building at their lunch break. Students bustled by the pop-up shop to grab a quick bite to eat before class while some browsed. Unknowingly, as students flipped through the racks of their clothing, they flipped through a part of the story of Clark and Watts. We are two people who had a vision, and then we went and did it, Clark said. The hallway continued to fill with the sound of hands clasping and laughing. Music began to pulse in the background. Watts, Clark, or one of their interns eagerly greets students who approach the shop, ready to tell their story behind the clothing brand. It's like a social event, Watts said. Doing a pop-up shop is about being able to convey our message of our brand with people, to talk about success and being great and bring positivity. In 2010, Clark and Watts were 14-year-old boys in the eighth grade. They each, damn, they young as hell. They younger than me. I was 18 then. They each knew other previously in the fifth grade and continued their friendship despite going to separate schools in New Orleans. Rarely idle in their childhood years, Watts and Clark found ways to stay active by transforming simple activities in their own adventures. They would skateboard together from lakefront to canal street and create the post stunt videos to youtube um we would wake up early in the mornings on when on weekdays and go to this art program clark said i would make marlon go with me we would have bus schedules multiple bus schedules and we would go everywhere on the same bus in the eighth grade watts approached clark with 12 t-shirts he designed off of a designing website called Uberprints, ready to sell. We would try to find a way to make money by selling candy before. <clears throat> Why well, I said, we were underprivileged. Fashion is big in New Orleans, the way you look or the way you dress. So we went into selling shirts. Before either of the boys could hold part-time jobs, selling t-shirts was one of the limited options they could utilize to financially help their families two friends quickly sold the shirts to their other friends and peers 
Watts introduced the designing website to Clark, and Clark began to handle the graphic design side of their newfound business. Their brand, their brand World and Vision, born out of the necessity and artistry of two 14-year-old boys, it laid the foundation of a dream to one day sell in stores and inspire others. Man, that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's a dope-ass story. Um, two, two black kids from New Orleans, you know, in, in middle school, early teenagers. It was like, let's do it. Let's go. Like, you know, we got to support our folks, you know, and help the community while we're doing it. So, yeah, like, that's a really uplifting, dope-ass story. And um, that's the show. Support black businesses. And as always, thank you. Corporate flow, cover sheet for the faxes. About to do my taxes, CPAs and Calabasas. About to tell my boss that I'm under the weather. Knowing that he can't get nobody that can do it. Oh, Damn, I got you coming? I'm, I'm on my way now, you got, sir. You're a little sick, no, I don't know I'm feeling perfectly fine. <laughs> Corporate flow, CC me on the email. Went to lunch break, saw my boss eating kale, snatched him up. Man, why don't you get a steak or something? I hey, Kenny. Oh. Kenny, you going to eat hey. lunch? Hey, how you doing, boss man? Let's, let's go. Hey, going to let's lunch go, right now. The chef said the kale is going to be to die for. Is that right? Let's go have that. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Shakalaka, yo medulla, I been gotta kill a mic like LP and kill a mic Feeling like DJ Premier, it's my world premiere tonight Feeling right, hair triggers off, but then a pillow fight No computer, but this Mac got more shots than gigabytes Bigger T, bigger bite, bigger holes in the wall Bunny tall, ego small, blunt as long as a log Mask is off, nothing to lose, classy guard, Sunday school Run up a check and run your mouth, we run you down, run the juice Lil' tune, 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 t